industry in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Wake Forest is ranked in the top 10, and they remain the only ACC team ranked in the top 25 AP poll. 2021 is drunk. Clemson is 5-3, and three, and life is good. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. This is our FSU recap show. Ben, we got another win. And 32 consecutive home wins. And I'll tell you what, five and three looks a lot better than four and four. There's something psychological about that, I guess. But um, even in a season where we didn't expect to lose three games all year, um, it's better than the alternative. And I got to say, there was like there was a lot of positives in this game. Yeah, it was an ugly game, but take away three missed field goals. And it's a completely different story. Um and I know Florida State's not a great team, but look at the competition they were playing on the other side of the ball. Neither is Clemson. So um, we got a win, and I think it was a pretty big win. Can you imagine, I mean, had we lost this game and the way in which we would have lost this game, it could have sent the season spiraling out of control. I mean, you may argue that it already was kind of spiraling, but um, from, from all accounts, the team is still in it. Their heads are still in it. Nobody's pouting. Nobody's giving up. Everybody's still putting in um, their A effort. So it would have been interesting to see um, because that would have been a pretty devastating loss, especially the way in which it would have happened. Um, that yeah. uh, the, the strip six and just the handful of other uh, bad penalties. I mentioned the or bad plays. I mentioned the three missed field goals. Uh, but all in all, you know, one by 10 points, really one by three. But hell, we'll take 30. We didn't think we were going to get to 20 all year. So it looked for the, the bulk of this. It looked for the bulk of this game that 20 was not going to happen. But um, I think you're right. I think by and large, after, you know, the the cardiac cats got the win and we were coming down off that game, reflecting on it. You know, you, you have more positives probably to take away than the negatives from this game. Uh, we will definitely get into all that, Ben, but I, I agree with you. The stakes were pretty high in this one. If you think about this going the other direction, um, QT came on a couple, Quacking Tiger came on a couple of weeks ago, call him QT for short. And he talked about just obviously down year, obviously a disappointment relative to expectations and hopes as fans, but you really do want to see Clemson not go out there and get embarrassed and, you know, be able to show some development and progression and improvement throughout the year. And ideally we can get to a point where you will start to see some, you know, some amazing plays or some breathtaking plays coming from the offensive playmakers. I think the schedule sets up well, we're, we're going to play some inferior opponents coming up here um, in three of the last four games. And then we'll see in the bowl game uh, where we could start to see some of those things come through. But, you know, this was, this was a win that required Clemson to dig deep, show a lot of heart late in the game. Um, it was really a whole team effort in this one. I mean, majority on the defense, definitely some grit displayed from the offense as well. So um, you look, you kind of got to lower your standards and squint a little bit if you're a Clemson fan this year, but 
you know, think about just in the context of this season, what we've been watching and looking at, this was definitely a, a very good win relative to the others that we've seen. And it's a win. I mean, you got to take them at this point. Um, and at the same time, there's still a lot of people, there's still some people out there that are like, Hey, everything's still, most things are still in front of us. This team could still go 11 and three and win an ACC championship. And that's not happening. Like <laughs> I know technically it's possible, but you know, South Carolina, South Carolina could also end up eight and four as well, but that's not going to happen either. So listen, let's, let's be realistic about it. This is not an ACC championship caliber team. It's not an ACC Atlantic championship caliber team um but they can go on a little nice run here at the end of the year you've got the big showdown at home against wake forest um the week before the south carolina game and i mean the the four games left on the schedule are winnable it's gonna be hard to beat wake uh they may be favored in that game but it's still a very winnable game like we still have more talent um on the roster than they do now they're they're playing better they're probably more experienced and they've got better coaching right now Uh, yeah but but you can score on wake like we have seen that army army ran all over them Um, can can they score on us is the question right exactly i think it's going to be an amazing game coming up um i know some people are gonna are gonna be dreading that game you know thinking that could be a game where we do get embarrassed or blown out certainly possible uh, but i I love what I've seen from the defense, you know, playmakers stepping up for guys that have been injured. Um, the depth really held up in this game too. So I, yeah, Ben, I, I agree with all games being winnable earlier. We were like all the rest of the games are losable too, outside of UConn. Um, I don't really see us losing to South Carolina, Ben. I know right. it's rivalry week. Like, you know, anything can happen. Beamer might be having some, might have some plays up his sleeve scripted specifically for this matchup for this year, but I say bring it. I, I like our chances in that one. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Louisville coming out there, our opponent this weekend um, under the it's it's a road game night game in Louisville. So that'll be that'll be challenging um, on some level. But, yeah, you know, enjoy this one against Florida State. They're they're a program looking to find find a signature win. It's going to have to be a North Carolina game, you know, of, of the last two years that they're going to have to recruit against. Um, they sure would allow to have a Clemson, you know, win on the shelf, so to speak for that. Yeah. Well, fortunately that didn't happen. Um, yeah. Again, I don't want to focus too much on how good or bad Florida state is just because of how mediocre Clemson is and how much we struggled on the offensive side of the ball. But I do think there's a lot of, there was a lot of improvement in, in this game. Um, and again, the guys are still fighting and listen, could Wake Forest lose to North Carolina um, coming up this weekend? Sure. And then Clemson goes on to beat them. Well, all right. Actually, they, they, then we there's just, a little wrinkle there, Ben. Oh, that's not a that's It's not at a, a conference. conference I know. It's ridiculous. Um, so, so they'd have to lose. I think Wake. So uh, we need NC State to lose two to, more times. And then we need Wake to lose one more time in ACC play. And then we beat them. That's how it plays out. So NC State plays... Uh, Florida State at Florida State at Wake versus Syracuse versus North Carolina. I could see them losing two. I, right. I think so, that's the most reliable. Um, yeah. So, you know, so then who right. else does Wake have outside of us in conference? They would have to. So that's them beating NC State. So to take that one off. That just leaves at Boston College. Right. 
So there we go. So in a sense, you almost need NC State to beat Wake and then lose to lose two to. I mean, Syracuse is no slouch. They picked it up. They gave Clemson a hell of a game. Um, it's never it's know. Just so very unlikely to happen, and that right. has to be combined with Clemson beating both Louisville and Wake Forest. Um, which both those games, I mean, that's going to be hard to do. It's just, yeah. you know. So I read a tweet, Ben, FPI, ESPN's like, I don't even know what it stands for. Um, Football power index. Gives, right. Gives us a 10% chance of winning the Atlantic. Hey, it's not nothing. So there you go. It is not nothing. And some to share. certainly see NC State folding. Don't know about wake folding the way we would need them to. But, you know, crazier stuff has happened. Um, let me, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if like, again, and like Dabo will say this, control the things that you can control. Like if Clemson just focuses on winning their last four games and winning out um, and sits there nine and three at the end of the regular season, you gotta feel pretty good about that as a fan and as the team for sure, considering, you know, what, what we've been through and where we've come from. Um, and then you look back and you've only got, you got losses to Georgia at North Carolina state, which was a bad one. Um, over time, over time. Uh, and then, you know, at a ranked team in pit with formerly ranked team in pit <laughs> karma's a bitch. Um, so, I mean, it'll be a huge success and we, we just need to readjust our expectations and we, sh- you know, should have done this weeks ago for what this season could be. And, at this point in the season, nine and three is pretty successful, I would say, especially if we continue to see improvement on the offense. And I know people are down on the offense again after this game, but there was a lot of bright spots and a lot of things to be positive about. They got overshadowed by some fluke bonehead plays and three missed field goals. I agree with that. Um, ben, why don't we get into the, get into the specifics of this game? And I think we could talk a little bit about those bright spots. Why don't we start with the offense? Clemson broke the 20 point mark, Ben, against an FBS opponent for the first time this season, scoring 23 of Clemson's eventual 30 points in this game. Uh, accented by or an exclamation point play by Will Shipley, um, breaking loose for what was it, a 22 yard touchdown run um, in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter. That, um, I don't know, Ben, if he. It, if he would have made a, if, if we would have gotten in the end zone, I'm sorry. Um, you know, had he not made, broken open a big play like that, I think just what we've seen so far this year with red zone play calling and, you know, what FSU is throwing at Clemson all day, grinding out another six plus plays to close the gap on those 22 yards. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if we could have done that. So hats off to Will Shipley dude was a warrior in this game. Um, he was definitely showing it, you know, the signs of, you know, taking a beating, uh, 25 carries. He also had, um, what is this four catches in this game as well. Um, so great game from Will Shipley, but more important than that, I think just across the board on the offense, you, you start to see a little bit more of an identity appear on this offense, uh, run first offense for the most part, 43 rushes to 31 passes, um, wide receivers will definitely touch on them a little bit in this game, you know, did see some improvement compared to what we've been talking about from that group. But in this one, Ben, it was really the running attack that, that led the way for Clemson. And, um, you know, whether 
whether that's what we all expected this year, it's the team we've got at this point. And I think it's the right, right approach with the talent you have and what you're getting. So uh, yeah, really good to see. And uh, I don't know that will Shipley, Phil Maffa duo, true freshmen, both of them say what you'll about this year. The future is really bright with those two. You know, we're going to figure out the passing game and ideally the offensive line coming up in this off season. So I'm, I could not help. It's one of my like Zen moments coming away from this game was just realizing that the future with those two is bright. Oh, it's super bright. I mean, you know, they passed the eye test. That's for sure. Um, and it's the one position group, even with, you know, the attrition this year and kind of the distractions and an injury to Will Shipley um, and Kobe Pace out with in COVID protocol on this one. It's the one position group on the offense that has probably exceeded expectations this year. And that's with playing behind an offensive line that was not good at all um, at the beginning of the year. Now, at the same time that these guys started to, uh, to play better, Shipley was getting more carries. Uh, Pace started getting more carries, and then obviously Moffa when Lin Jay leaves. It also coincides with the offensive line getting better, both in run and pass blocking. So again, you gotta you gotta look at these these positives, and you gotta kind of listen. We're gonna have these ridiculous plays and and poorly timed penalties. Um, that's just kind of the nature of this team uh, this year. But those things aside, look at the things that they've improved on from game one to game eight now, and I mean, I can come up with a handful of things. How many times this year um, prior to this game do you think we've scored on back-to-back drives? Any points or touchdowns? Any points. Scored any points on back-to-back offensive drives. Man, I mean, twice before this week. Uh, Not including South Carolina State. Right, of course. Yeah, two times against FBS teams. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't do the research. Oh. But, oh. <laughs> but I'm asking well, a rhetorical question. It hasn't yeah. been many, if at all. In this right. game, we should have, missed field goals aside, um, on the third drive of the game, we scored in the second, the fourth, and the fifth drives of the game, should have scored in the third. That would have been four offensive drives in a row putting up points. Like That is a huge improvement. We spent a lot of time on FSU side of the field. Yeah, we weren't cashing everything in for touchdowns like we're used to seeing, but this is not the team we're used to, to, to being or watching out on the field. And that was kind of big for me. Now, they did continue a trend of, of coming out kind of flat in the second half. And this is where I put it on Tony Elliott. He seems to get away from the run and, you know, start you know, calling some kind of difficult, at least for, for DJ, passing plays on first down. And if we, if we can't get three or four yards on first down, um, it, we're almost not converting. Now, granted, we made – we had a lot better um, – uh, we had, you know, some longer plays, some better – um, longer throws in this game from DJ. I thought his touch really improved in, in this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's slowly coming together. Is it going to be there this year to where we're going to go into next season and be like, oh man, we'll be fine next year. No, no, it's not going to happen. Um, it's just going to be a long journey um, to get this offense back to where it, you know, where we expected and where it used to be. Is, is DJ the guy that's going to take us there? I don't know. I can't predict the future, but he's the best one on this team right now. The people calling for Tyson to go in there, they're just they're crazy. Like DJ clearly gives this team the best chance to win. Um, he's a better passer. Um, yeah, he's not as good running the ball, but Tyson's a little bit step slow too, coming off that Achilles uh, tear in the spring game. So 
I mean, I think you, you got to put all your chips in with DJ, continue the development. You got Cade uh, uh, Klubnik coming in next year. So you'll have a guy that, um, that will be pushing him and could certainly win that job if he turns out to be better. But f- for the time being, DJ is our quarterback. And I, you know, let's keep seeing him develop. And I, I think you're seeing that. Yeah, Ben, um, I agree. One area that um, we're just going to call out, I think some of his decision-making when the play call asks for a specific play, you know, get to this receiver, that's your primary option. Seems like he just, both from zeroing in on his eyes at his target, as well as, you know, come hell or high water or whatever the defense is doing, I am throwing the ball to that guy. Saw that twice, saw that on the interception. Uh, really ill-fated throw into double or triple coverage um, that was picked. And then the there's a broken play. Um, EJ Williams sort of threw a block or threw a chip out there. And um, DJ couldn't hit him with the initial screen, waited a beat, and then hit EJ surrounded by three to four Seminoles. Um, EJ, you know, good player, good wide receiver, didn't quite have the strength to kind of get down with the football. And it was stripped before he was able to get his knees down um, on that play behind the sticks, mind you, and led to a really costly turnover um, at an inopportune moment of the game. I think, you know, DJ could have recognized, looked up a little bit, seen, you know, what's the best case scenario for that throw completion, regardless of where you put it, um, is a loss of two, three yards. Just throw the ball away, live to fight another day. Um, He's got to learn these things though. Like this is the kind of thing you as a quarterback can, learn from your mistakes. Um, we're experiencing growing pains now. I think that that stuff's okay. I'm just kind of calling out or acknowledging that there's just some decision-making stuff here that um, really does indicate that he needs, needs a lot more experience at this level of play. Yeah. He looks like a lot of other first year starters um, in, in college football. Doesn't look like Trevor Lawrence. Doesn't look like Deshaun Watson. He's not them. Listen guys, like, those are the two greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen come through Clemson. Um, so yeah, the EJ Williams one, EJ Williams fell. That's supposed to be a bank play in place was to get the ball out quick. So I'm sure it surprised him when he looked up and EJ was on the ground Then EJ got up and he got rid of the ball. Um, he went forward and then EJ dropped it. I mean, he put the ball where it needed to be. So Again, we're, I think we get a little bit nitpicky on those. And I think it's a good sign because the more we start to nitpick, the further that means that he's come because the huge obvious things um, are, are starting to go away. The, uh, the, the interception, um, you know, Tony Elliott came out and said today is like, listen, that was his read. He was supposed to only throw it to Joe and Gata. Um, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> then he threw it toward him. <laughs> uh, Joe yeah. was covered up by, uh, by uh, two defenders. Um, but I mean, there's, there's so many other little things that if, if you compare him to where he was at the beginning of the year to where he is now that he's improved upon his pocket presence is a lot better. Um, his, the touch on his balls, he's threw some great deep balls today, puts them up for uh, Bo Collins to get contested and, and get some pass interference calls. Um, he had that one, another great fade into the end zone once again to Davis Allen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing improvement. He's still, yeah, his reads and pro- progressions are, are still not good. His decision-making isn't great. Um, but those are things characteristic of young quarterbacks, not necessarily this quarterback alone. Um, 
he is still a little bit slow on the screens and the RPO. He's just not smooth when it comes to that. I did think there was a couple of plays where he played a, a little better this game, some fake tosses that he kept and run. And then also some counters uh, to, to Will Shipley that I thought went well and, and picked up some yardage. Um, but he certainly needs to improve on that. And I think that's where physical ability is, is, is a factor there. Um, whereas the other stuff is just kind of in his head and he just needs to mature as a, as a college quarterback and continue to progress. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, ben, we have called for or talked about in the passing game, you know, improvement on things like drops, improvement on things like uh, open field blocking. I think you, in this game, you did see receivers t- haul in their targets a bit more when they were on target. Uh, not as many drops. I think we, in the pregame we're talking or pre-show chat talking about like a Joe Joe had a drop uh, potentially will Shipley as well, but Shipley pulled down four balls, not too much. You can critique him, you know, critique him on for the game. Um, and yeah, I got saw Justin Ross get more involved 85 yards on six catches. You know, these aren't, these aren't record breaking, you know, game time records for Clemson, but for this season, again, you know, distributing the ball as DJ did in this game, uh, to eight receivers, 189 yards is not again the highest total we've seen, but um, I, I did I did notice some improvement in the passing game here, and it does seem like Tony Elliott's starting to just crack that playbook open a little bit more, uh, which is good. You know, finally saw a tight end seam pass to Jake Brinningstool. Throw was a little bit offline, unfortunately. Otherwise, I think he would still be running with that ball. Um, and good to see Brinningstool, a true freshman, get in there as a tight end in a, in a passing uh, situation instead of just blocking. Well, and, you know, he likes to get in there and mix it up and block too, which is good. And I will say, and Davis Allen and Sage Ennis have been a lot better at that. Now Sage Ennis got blown up on the first play of the game um, on that, that wide receiver screen, which good Lord, I mean, open up the playbook and close that part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not working. Um, especially on the first play of the game, you put yourself behind the chains from the get go. Um, I just, DJ is not quick enough with it and the wide receiver blocking or the tight end blocking out there just hasn't been, um, it's just not there yet. Um, so I really, really hate that play call. Um, but otherwise, I mean, he's, he's sticking, he's going to the run a little bit better. I mean, Will Shipley, we, we ran it 43 times. Well, between Shipley and Moffa, Moffa ran it, um, 34 times in this game, uh, would have had close to 200 yards, uh, right at it. If, uh, you take away, um dj's you know sacks the three sacks on him um and that sack yardage so i mean that's something to be excited about and you look at the stats yeah we're a little bit more run heavy but we can be because the offensive line is actually um has gotten better and that's amazing with all the guys that are out at this point will putnam was playing hurt in this game um, obviously Bachhorst went down last week. There's no depth. There's six guys now that they can trust at this point in the season. I mean, it's good that guys like T.O. and Marcus Tate um, are getting a lot of action this year. Like that's going to pay off next year. Um, and then we and one other thing of- on the, yeah, I was just going to say on the O-line, we're going to, we're going to get into this point of the season here where guys that have not played any snaps, Tristan Lay and Ryan Linthicum, will potentially be able to get in there, get in there without burning a red shirt. So whether that, I don't know that you'll see that in the wake forest game necessarily. Cause that's, you'll see it. You'll see it in the Yukon game. 
Right. Exactly. Which I'm very much looking forward to that, getting those two guys, you know, long, long awaited recruits um, who've been, you know, on the shelf for this year, you know, see them get some action and let's, let's spell some of those other guys that have been out there a ton. Well, and it looks almost certain now that we're going to go to a bowl game, um, which yeah, so you, have to, you count that in the four, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, given that extra, well, usually it's an extra month of practice. Uh, depending on what side of Christmas Day we end up playing on this year, um, it may not be that long. But yeah, get these guys a little bit of extra practice and see if um, if any of them have some games left, so they won't burn their red shirt if they come along a little bit further and they are able to play some meaningful snaps in a game. But um, I mean, you just you got to go with the guys you have and the guys that are still walking, and this is what we have. Um, and I, I just think it's amazing that we've gotten better running the ball and pass protection's gotten better, even with all these guys dropping like flies. Yeah, just I think it was putting them playing injured and maybe just repetitiveness and Florida State was anticipating it. But there was a stretch there where running the ball to the right side of that O-line was just a no-go and loss of, loss of yardage every single time. Um that that has kind of been part of Clemson's running game though for the past couple of years. So um, don't know what you do about that, but that was just an observation I had in the running game. Uh, but yeah, across the board, I mean that that Davis Allen fade route, it was brutal to need that type of play on a third down with the game situation that it was. Amazing execution, awesome catch by Davis Allen to come down with that and like you know really use his body to defend against the the DB there. Um, perfect touch by DJ also. So we got to applaud that that play. That's probably the most beautiful touchdown we've had this year. That and the Angata one. Deep uh, in the end zone. Yeah, fading yeah. the end zone. Those were, yeah, two two great passes, two great catches. So, I mean, you're, you're starting to see things work. The problem is, is that from where this offense started, like they were so behind. Um. It, they just were flat out horrendous to start the season and they slowly become below average. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, could have put up 33 offensive points in this game. I don't, again, I don't care what you say about Florida state's defense because, you know, Clemson has to beat who's and put points well, up on what team is out there on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So they did it in this one. Yeah. And, Walker Parks had a really good game defending against, and I'm gonna—I forget the, the guy's name—transferred in from Georgia. Um, he did—he did blow the block on the strip six. He got past him. Yeah, I would say that play, notwithstanding, the rest of his game was really good in pass protection against a super solid defensive player. Florida State are not a bunch of bums. They're—they're um, they're rebuilding, they're retooling, and they got a lot of youth coming in, but. Um, they used the transfer portal and got a really strong player that's going to play on Sundays coming up. And I thought Walker Parks did great. Obviously, the strip strip sack for six points um, was just brutal timing-wise. But, you know, we're trying to kind of – again, that was like – if you want to talk about Florida State's talent, that's the, that's the strongest guy on their team. Um, but look at the glass half full. I mean, think of what that meant for this offense after that to come back out there uh, – down now after leading most of the game go down the field score the go-ahead touchdown and then the defense ends up icing it twice 
Uh, so, I mean, you you got to take the positives that are there and and realize how much of improvement it is um, from the beginning of the year. It could be a lot worse. Um, could be a lot better, but it's not going to be this year at least. Uh, but what you're starting to see is a lot of young guys grow up, and that's going to pay dividends in the future. Jermaine Johnson, that's the transfer in from Georgia. Um, well, anyway, Ben, yes, strong performance. Great to see Clemson eclipse the 20. Um, would have been funny to have Clemson back into the ACC title game, scoring less than 20 every single time, but um, we still are under 25 <laughs> as an offense. So probably just as funny. Hey, you know, baby steps. <laughs> it was so right before the half, we had 17 points, right? And we were our, our last drive of the half. Like, we were ready. If we were scoring 20, we were taking shots at tequila, like especially happening before the half. So that didn't happen. We're like, all right, we still have 17. It's going to happen. And then BT Potter gets, what, two opportunities? Yeah. <laughs> Misses kicks. And like, ugh, we're never going to score 20, are we? But you know who did? And just stall drives, stall that drives. Like, we got the ball at midfield, right? And just three and out right away. Um that was yeah. So enough kind of questionable play calling and situations and like the miss miss field goals. Like, yeah, it was being a Clemson fan in that second half was a test of wills, I would say. But weren't you just kind of given the way this season has gone? None of it was surprising to me. Like when Florida no. State went up, I'm like, nah, it makes sense <laughs> on this. Right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. That's oh, not how full, this is. fully fully expected it and and or just like was like yep uh, yeah par for the course but yep um either way like just seeing every opportunity to score or you know defend a lead what have you just but, kind of evaporate but like unlike the nc state and pit games when the offense couldn't get out of their own way um they were able to overcome their mistakes in this game and win the ball game plain and simple yeah. It's true. So let's call that progress. Um, I mean, we are, we've already mentioned it a bunch. We can, we can stick with kind of special teams here. BT Potter on the one that he just truly shanks the really chip shot oriented um, play uh, or kick um, told, told the staff after the game that, what was it? He stepped in a hole in the field or something, just really couldn't get his, his plant foot down properly. Uh, and just botch the kick coming off of that. Um, just a little, just weird stuff like that in this game. Um, well, you're never going to see BT Potter miss three field goals. I mean, that was, that was an anomaly. He's been solid the past couple of years. I still trust him. I would have trusted him going out there to tie the game. Had we needed him to at 20, um, I'd have felt a little bit more um, apprehensive given how the game went, but, yeah, it's, it's just a microcosm of the season. Um, and fortunately, it didn't cost us a game. Yeah, didn't Florida State miss a PAT in this game, Ben? Yeah, Miles Murphy blocked it on their first touchdown. So that that actually did matter throughout the game because then Florida State was going for touchdowns, not field goals. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how much faith they would have had in their kicker, how long how good his range is, all of that, but um, that kind of a special teams play can definitely impact just throughout the course of the game, like the risk taking factor and comfort level, of the opposing coach. So um, that was definitely a bright spot. And then Will Spires 
51 and a half yard punting average in this game. He had a 56 yard punt only kicked it four times because the offense was definitely moving it and then missing with what three turnovers and three missed field goals. So um, Clemson ran a lot of plays in this game, Ben. It was up in the mid seventies, which I think is one of our top, top play totals. Um, I guess outside of like overtime with NC state and uh, that South Carolina state game. Um, and yeah, won the time of possession. And look, there's some other stats here that are first going to make you cringe, um, but then realize the offense was able to overcome them. The three turnovers, right? Um, yep. There were 11 tackles for loss, um, which is, is a lot. But that means that we end up converting a lot of second and third and longs, which hasn't happened all season long. So Look at the silver linings here. I mean, yeah, you got to clean this other stuff up, um, but it's moving in the right direction. It may not be moving as fast as most people would like it to, but it's definitely heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, Just a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> ben, why don't we flip it over and talk defense? So Florida state did score a touchdown on an immediate turnover. We've already talked about the strip sack. So another defensive performance holding the opponent to 13 points in this case, uh, just at their season average for FBS opponents, Uh, yet another game with a Sterling defensive defensive effort from Clemson. Uh, I, I don't really know who you give the game ball to here, Ben, because so many guys got in there and, you know, contributed in this one. Um, Miles Murphy is kind of the obvious one. He was named P- defensive player of the week in the ACC. Uh, but outside of him, I really, for, for my part, felt the effect of Trenton Simpson and Xavier Thomas as much as Miles Murphy in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, you know, much respect to Xavier Thomas, man. He's, he's been amazing this year. It's been overshadowed by the struggles of the team and the offense in general and the five and three record. But um, he's bounced back, played phenomenal. Um, Trenton Simpson's just all over the place. Yeah, he, he sure is. I mean, you look at the seven havoc or the six, six total havoc plays, two and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss from miles Murphy. And you're just going box score game effects, like got to give it up for Murph, but I agree. Trenton Simpson was definitely disruptive in the backfield, especially early on in this game. And I think if you didn't have some of those offside plays, you would have, you would have seen even more, you know, highlight real stuff from Trent Simpson that would have actually impacted the game. Um, really, it's just like that guy was all over the place. Um, and yeah, the, the D line just continues to be, be effective. Um, I thought Tyler Davis played a huge role in containing a, a potent Florida state rushing attack, held him to 65 yards in this one, Ben, um, Travis was a very elusive quarterback. I think he, he does have a nose for pressure and evading that pressure and, you know, burned Clemson a little bit with his legs. But um, my fear coming into this game was that he was going to do a little bit of what Kenny Pickett did in the second half of that pit game, which is extend drives with his legs. And I think you, you not only had, you know, guys like Skalski and Trent Simpson preventing that from happening, but Rook Aroro, I mean, Rook's, I think he got half a half a sack credit, but there was like a massive tackle for loss or sack on Travis 
Um, that was all Rook, all getting his body into the right position. And um, for a guy that big, for a defensive tackle, really exceptional play. Um, Rook's been awesome in reserve duty coming in for Brise going out. And, uh, you know, just wanted to shout out, shout out Rook's effort in this one. And I don't think Trey Williams played in this game because of injury. Um, it might have been held. He wasn't a scratch before the game, but I, don't, I didn't recall seeing him out there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, great to have Tyler Davis back between him, Rook, and Adonosa Rubin has been playing uh, well, too. And we talk about all the youth on the offense. There's a lot of youth on this defense that is getting a lot of playing time this year. Um, you know, whereas the offense, we're going to have to wait and see how they improve heading into the next year. I expect the defense is still going to be pretty damn formidable. Um, I mean, give it up to Barrett Carter, right? Spying the quarterback there at the end of the game and, and coming up with, uh, um, you know, the, the touchdown to put us up 30, uh, up to 30. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a new guy kind of stands out each game. I feel like, I mean, you have the, the, you know, the same group of guys are like Mario Goodrich. Like we haven't talked enough about him this year. He's been playing phenomenal um, at the corner position opposite most of the time, Andrew Booth. Um, but he's actually unlike Booth Goodrich has seen targets go his direction. Right. And he's not necessarily guarding their top receiving option, but if Andrew Booth is over there taking away their top option, Goodrich is a lot more prone and yeah, like you see kind of PFF stats, pro football focus stats, talk about Goodrich really one of the top cornerbacks in the ACC uh, for this season, that one, two punch. I mean, we've said it all along, Ben, it's like, it is truly sad to see that type of lockdown corner at both, both sides, that type of effort for this year, which admittedly was a pretty big question mark for how, how big the ceiling of the or how high the ceiling of the overall team was going to be this year. Our definitive answer is those dudes are great. I think the safety position is fine on this team. So there's really no liability at all in this defense. Uh, a bit of a pity to have that good of a performance and then be staring down a three plus loss season without contending for the playoff at all. But either way, you do love to see it. I think it does help ongoing recruiting and just ongoing proof that Clemson that the last one or two years uh, where Clemson's defense did not quite look like itself. We already knew that was due to attrition and due to injury, uh, but it was really good. To, it has been really good to see this team bounce back this year in this type of fashion, um, especially from what we're seeing in the secondary. Yeah. And, and there's tons of uh, leadership and experience on this team as well. It's a good mix between um, the seniority and youth. Um, there's a ton of guys littered throughout this defensive roster that's going to play on Sundays in the NFL. Um, and they're pretty fun to watch. And they're the difference between us being five and three and probably one and seven <laughs> at this I point, know. two and six. Yeah. It's true. Um, so yeah, we really, really love It's a pleasure to watch, watch the games from that perspective and watch that side of the ball do their thing. Um, well, and just great effort. got off to oh, yeah. a little bit of a slow start in this game and just the ability of, of Brent Venables to, to make adjustments right throughout the game. And, you know, to have, um, you know, six sacks and 10 tackles for loss. And when we were f- focusing on stopping their running game, which we did, but playing with a lot of three down linemen, um, a good bit, right. You sold Tyler Venables in there a lot as a, as a third safety. Um, 
yeah, just he's a mastermind. And they had a few hiccups in this game, uh, you know, for Florida State's second touchdown guy was wide open. Um, uh, their first touchdown there. I think it was the yeah. Uh, well, maybe it was the first or the second, the second where the guy just he didn't go down. Um, he broke loose. They chased him down, oh, yeah. he rolled over top. And then it, it, it was a wheel route. Going. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a wheel route and Sheridan Jones. Um, first, there was like a missed opportunity to push the guy out of bounds. Sheridan Jones took him to the ground, but it was kind of on top of himself um, and therefore never, never went down. Heads up play by the Florida State running back to scamper into the end zone. Um, that fluke play, I mean, who, I, I don't think that they would have been able to sustain the drive from that point forward. So um, Clemson likely would have held them under 10 points for this game, you know, had that not broken that way. But um, well, and another, cre- another credit to the offense uh, moving the ball like they did and holding the ball for as much time of possession as they did. The defense was not gassed at the end of this game and they held up. I agree. Yeah. They're, they're invariably though, it seems like every single game of this season, there'll be a time coming down toward the end of the game where Clemson's got the ball with the ability to ice it. And once more three and out, you know, three and out right there at the end, three running plays with that little bit of time left on the clock and knowing that Florida state's going to have to burn all three of their timeouts. I mean, think of how much criticism uh, Elliot and Dabo would have gotten had they tried to put it in the air and either there was an interception or, uh, an incompletion where Florida State didn't have to burn a timeout. I mean, you, you've got to run it there and then hope for a first down. If not, pin them deep. Spires did, and the defense came through. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you got to throw a, throw a deep ball uh, or anything like that, you know, put the ball up in harm's way, but have, like they're expecting it. We put on tape that we will not try anything weird. Let's try something or I'm saying run a different type of running play. Like anyway, fairly disappointing. I don't think it's going to change. So it is what it is. I think that's what, I mean, I think with this offense this year, I think that's what you have to do. I mean, there's so much more of a downside. um, If there's some screw up, I mean, yeah, you got to play safe there. And what Clemson they trust trust the defense, you know, yeah, clear what Clemson has done all year when they've had leads in, in these games that they've won is they've played not to lose. And you kind of got to do that with this team this year, I guess, because you can't trust the offense. They're getting better, but still, can you imagine what would have happened if they would have put it in the air and something would have gone wrong? It'd be brutal. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. I still think hoping for a clever enough play to get a first down there to just completely seal the game. Not too much to ask for. Tell you, man, baby steps. Yep. That's where we're at. Um, all right. So, yeah, and this one, Ben, 30 to 20 victory. Great to see the 30. Great to see the 23 from the offense. I'm calling it 13 for the defense. and So 23 to 13 outside of a couple fluky plays. You got anything to say about that shenanigans at the end of the game? Um you hate to see that Florida State player. I think it was a running back. I, he came down weird, awkward on his knee. Um, he might be hurt for some time now. That totally sucks because that was just a dumb play overall. Um, but awesome to see you know the team stay focused and sc- score those points. 
that game pushed Clemson to the cover and it pushed it over um, as well as obviously, you know, Clemson's side of the, of the, of the, of the wager, you know, winning out. So uh, that made all the bad beat hall of fame kind of uh, fanfare over the weekend, but I don't know, kind of a fun way to end it. Yeah. I don't even think, I don't know. Somehow I missed the very last play um, okay. and didn't realize that we ended up scoring. It was, it was, it was a lateral. Right? No, it was, it was the lateral plays and they, they probably got three laterals before it got back to Travis. Right. And then like he, he threw it through a 15, 20 yard completion and then laterals all around. And then he threw it back toward his running back. Some Clemson player kind of defended oh. it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's when like Skalski and somebody else just annihilated him. Yeah, pretty much. And um, dude, dude buckled his knee, and Ugh. then Barrett Carter kind of grabbed the ball and was about to get tackled as he fell into the end zone for the touchdown, which is great. Um, so it sucks for that FSU guy. Um, the lateral plays are weird. You've got that Miami Duke game from a few years ago, and then of course the California Stanford play from their rivalry game. Um, I don't know. I mean. So I want to point out one other thing. The uh, the play was it the it was the play prior to that the the hail mary attempt. Great job by the Clemson defenders of just batting that ball down and nobody trying to to intercept it. Makuba was right there in the middle, right? It's a true freshman. You can easily make that mistake, but um, they did a great job going up, get, getting to the ball, and just batting it straight down. So um, good on those guys. Yeah, well definitely. Yep. Yep. And getting their bodies in position to be the ones to make the play on the ball and kind yeah. of boxing out. So yeah, it was good. Um, saw a lot of heady play on the defensive side of this game. Um, something that kind of, uh, kind of bothered me a little bit, Ben, but Dabo in his post game c- comments called this a top five win for him as a coach. Did you catch that? Yeah. So I've heard, uh, you know, a lot of people have written about this and, um, you know, he said something similar about the, the Syracuse game where Chase Bryce came back and, and won. Um, and we ultimately went to the, to the playoff and won it, but it's, it's for Dabo. It's the adversity the team goes through. It's the struggle it takes to get the victory. And it, it's not necessarily the, how big of a victory it ultimately is like how important of a victory or how elite of a victory or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so listen, Dabo says things and, um, <laughs> and it's full of know, shit. And, yeah, you know, I mean, or maybe, he, or maybe he's not, maybe he truly feels that way. I and mean, he said a lot of stuff before that we were like, Oh yeah, whatever Dabo. And then you turn and look back, you're like, Hey, it might be right. And that's to him, right? It's not to us. Yeah, I, hey, it's no, fine. No harm, it's no totally harm, no fine. Foul. No harm, no foul there. <laughs> it's either he's just trolling at this point, which is entirely possible, or it's just like what he does is like have a, you know, have a quick memory and or have a goldfish memory and oh yeah, top five win, like absolutely. And look, I fully believe that he he had you know, intense feeling of pride and joy about this victory and Can about overcoming imagine, that adversity. Imagine the meltdown again, that would have happened had we lost that game in that fashion. Like that's why the win means so much. You got to yeah, think I'm sure about what it, have been like 
on the right. Like that. the joy that he didn't have to sit up there and answer the same questions like another week of this season probably is is factoring into that comment. So it's not that Dabo is completely full of shit with this stuff, but like Dabo, it just, you just lost to Florida State, um, a heartbreaking loss. Um, are you going to go to the transfer portal? Are you going to fire Tony this week? Yeah, exactly. So I get it. I know I said it. It's just, come on, man. That is not a top five win. <laughs> I bet I could find five more wins other than this one where there's more adversity overcome in the game if we tried hard enough. So again, think of what the alternative meant though. I, I, I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. It's not a top five victory for me <laughs> in Dabo's yeah. coaching career, um, but teach their own. Yeah. Gave us something to talk about other than the transfer portal for now, at least. So that's good. Um, all right. So coming up this Saturday night in Louisville will be Louisville. They, we're giving NC State a game the other day, which definitely would have helped had they emerged victorious, um, just with the aforementioned ACC Atlantic hunt. Uh, but it, you know, from I follow a bunch of Louisville beat writers and you know, kind of bloggers, and seem like a lot of them are kind of feeling like this team is sort of mailed it in and given up by this time of the season. We'll see what they get. We'll see what Clemson gets this coming week. I do believe that. We're, we're going to get every team's best the rest of the way and night game, that atmosphere, like chances are they'll be up for it. Um, what I'd like to see is Clemson just, you know, attack early and take away their will, you know, early on in this game might be too much to ask Ben to put up, you know, series after series of points, as you talked about, that's been a rarity at this point, but um, if they're not able to get anything going on the offensive side, you know, maybe that doubt starts to permeate the team. Sure would be good to get a game that's that is not a nail biter, considering it's been tough going for Clemson on the road this season. Um, all of our losses have come away from home, so um, yeah, just hoping Clemson can emerge, you know, continue to show improvement, emerge victorious, and make this see if crazy stuff happens elsewhere in the league. Dude, they're all gonna be nail biters at this point, um, except for UConn. Even the South Carolina game could be so. Um, you just hope the nail biter goes the right way for you. Um, so just, just came out a few hours ago, Louisville just lost, um, uh, Kytrell Clark, their top cover corner to an ACL injury for the year. Um, unfortunate for that kid. Um, so yeah. they're, they're down their, their top cornerback there. Um, so I mean, that plays well into a little bit of the passing game improving. Obviously you don't wish injury upon these kids at all, but, um, this it's a very winnable game. It's a very losable game uh, this week. I mean, going on the road um, in Louisville, it's going to be a tough environment. They don't care that Clemson's five and three and unranked. It's still Clemson. Um, so yeah, Satterfield yeah. would love nothing more than to have that on his resume. Yeah. Um, and, and for this team to come off what for this team was a big win uh, this year and not have a letdown game heading in next week in, uh, into Louisville and, and staying focused, which I think given what we've seen from this team this year, I'm not too worried about that because they seem to have maintained their focus through all the adversity. Um, again, just get a little bit better every week. And I, I think it started with the Florida state game. Um, and let's see what we can do at Louisville. You beat Louisville on the road. You look at the rest of our schedule and you're like, we can definitely win these games. And the Wake Forest 
would be a huge win uh, for this team, whether or not we make it to the ACC championship game. Um, that would be huge. So keep rooting for the guys. Keep looking for the, you know, the, the small bits of improvement from game to game. Like if we don't win by three touchdowns, whatever, like that's just not going to happen. Like a three point win will suffice at this point. Um, you just want to put wins in that win column. Yeah. And it, when you talk about the potential bowl bowl game outcomes, like obviously if Clemson can win the ACC, we'll get that auto qualifier to would not be the orange bowl this year. It'd probably be the peach bowl in Atlanta uh, against the top flight SEC school. But you know, the Duke's Mayo bowl or the Gator bowl, like those, those games are more likely where Clemson will end up if we don't win the Atlantic. So you can play an Auburn or like an LSU or maybe an Arkansas in those, those games. And uh, I, I, who knows what the motivation level will be of an SEC team, but I know the bowl prep of this program has been pretty good in recent years uh, when the talent's there. So um, I like our chances to at least, you know, coach well enough against those, those programs at this point of where they are uh, could be fun, you know, to look for something to look forward to. Well, I can tell you what, no matter what SEC team we may play in a bowl game, they're not going to want to be there. <laughs> yeah. You can bank on that. Um, I guess, Ben, like when we look when we look ahead to Louisville, I haven't scouted them too, too much, but it does seem like um, Lee Cunningham, their quarterback, um, like he's a fine passer. He's pretty inconsistent in the passing game, uh, but he tends to lead their team in rushing as well. Like he led their team in carries against NC State. So like I, I, I was heart heartened to see the performance against a mobile quarterback in Jordan Travis from this defense. It's going to be a different environment on the road at night. Lee Cunningham is more experienced quarterback than Travis is. So this will probably be, you know, a tougher challenge overall for the defense. Uh, but with that in mind, you know, really like what we saw this last week, just hope everyone's healthy, you know, fully recovered in time for the night game in Louisville. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, I think, I think they're a, uh, they're a team Louisville that is, is in the middle of a rebuild with a new coaching staff and still trying to get their talent levels up. Um, but they've, they've got a pretty talented quarterback. So um, it's just, just going to be about not letting him kill us with his legs. I feel like. Yeah. I think this is another game where you lock down uh, on their passing game and you isolate Malik Cunningham, him being like you mentioned, they're, they're leading rusher as well. Um, so I'm looking for a guy like Trent Simpson or Barrett Carter. Um, to have another big game. You put a spy on Malik and, and you go from there. You trust the rest of your defense. Yeah, I also think he's prone to some mistakes too. So he might be able to get baited into a, into a bad throw or a pick. So, uh, you know, that'd be cool too. Um, he's rushed for more touchdowns alone than Clemson scored against FBS competition all year. Ouch. It's a damn shame we have to take that South Carolina State game out of our stats here, you know? <laughs> we really do, though. But, yeah, it is. It Any other your accounts. Right. Exactly. It would help. Um, all right. Well, we will tune into that Louisville game. We will be back to recap that coming up. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Short but sweet this week. Uh, you know, let's enjoy this win. Enjoy them as they go. We're most of the way through this football season for everybody, so – um, really trying to cherish it. Um, plenty of fun action across college football. This week will be the first college football playoff rankings coming out. We're obviously not as quite as tuned into that as normal years, but 
still still will be a circus still you know the the results that come out tomorrow tuesday night i guess when everyone's going to be listening to this for the most part the this first set of rankings is not where it'll end up i think the committee is going to stack the deck where people that you know those programs that will play tough competition we're gonna are gonna have the chance to prove themselves and be able to move up those programs that they might want to put into a position who maybe don't have that chance might be might start the the you know this ranking season a little bit higher it always happens that way so um, i don't know what that means for cincinnati i could see it either way i could see them putting cincinnati at like third or fourth and then being like look if ohio state finishes the job and handles themselves they'll jump in there but uh, you know, it's going to be a zoo. I'm considering muting all things Cincinnati in my Twitter feed. Yeah, they're not looking great, but this this has to be the year you put them in. If they win out, they've got to go, and then they can get slaughtered by Georgia or Alabama, just like whoever Georgia or Alabama is going to play is is, is going to fare against those two teams. Um, so. Well, what do you think Clemson's ceiling is as far as the rankings go this season? You think top 15? Um, I think if Wake, by the time they come in, is going to be 10-0 and 0, and we just kick their ass, I could see Clemson moving into the right around the 20 range, assuming we handle Louisville and UConn just fine. Like, I think we'll we'll potentially be in, like, the – I don't know. It's tough, Ben. Like you think we can move with three losses, move into the others receiving votes spot before awake. I don't know. I think it would, it would kind of be like from a, like a third, a 30th ranked zone all the way up to 20 with a big wake forest win. Um, maybe that would do it, but I just, I just then don't know if beating South Carolina is going to move us into the top 15. I mean, with a bowl uh, win, I mean, inclusive of, oh, you're, of, of you're going to throw out there like a win against someone like Auburn in a bowl game. Yeah. 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 Um, I could see, I'm going to, I'm going to say 18 is the best we can do. Maybe 15, three loss, a nine and three Clemson team who won their last five games, including a bowl win. It's possible. Yeah, I could see it. It wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people don't hate (laughs) us that much that they'll, they'll vote. No, there's no bias against, I think it's, it's, uh, can can Clemson dominate those games? I think that's going to be needed. So, dude, we're ranked behind the University of Texas San Antonio, sixteenth. Aiden, no. Long, mm-hmm. long, hard fall from grace, man. <laughs> At least South Carolina is still terrible. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's not our our failure is not coming with their success at the behest of their success, basically. Um, which is good. But yeah. Uh, you know, more shakeup in the top 10 this last week. And let's see what's coming up this weekend. Anything under your radar yet? Um, Auburn AM. Uh, so that's the biggest ranked matchup. Um, action I mean, is this week. I mean, look forward to that. The what? The uh, action. The Mac plays during the weeknights. Uh, I know that's gonna that's gonna interfere with the World Series, but yeah, I watch. It's that. always fun to watch quasi terrible 
football during the week. It's, it's usually great. Um, yeah, I'll take but yeah. <laughs> um, Wake Forest at North Carolina. I mean, not, not a conference game, as you mentioned earlier, but that'll be interesting um, uh, to watch. Um, that's about all that's going on. Alabama, LSU, but that's lost its luster. Right. Yeah, just not a ton of like nationally important college football playoff shakeup type of matchups here, although – these are usually the weeks then that you start to see some crazy upsets and things. But yeah. um, even for things like jockeying for position in the ACC, like Wake and UNC is a non-conference game and Miami plays Georgia Tech and like Pitt plays Duke. So um, nothing really that substantial overall. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, NC State plays Florida State. We'll see how the Knolls are feeling after this one would be great to see them beat NC state. And then at least, you know, the, the door creaks open a little bit more for a potential Clemson uh, title birth there. I think if man, if NC state beats Florida state, then it's really just, um, I guess they get Duke and UNC. So um, anyway, we got to stop I'm, talking about that. <laughs> I'm fine. You know, thinking about the what ifs i'm not going to get too excited about all these things working out for clemson if they do fantastic and what a what a slap in the face of the rest of the acc if we somehow back our way into the acc championship that's why i want it it'd just be so devastating for them but hey we 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 gave y'all a shot the door was open yeah i'll i'll say one more thing ben everyone has talked about oh man the more we win these games and the more dabo goes off the field with a huge shit-eating grin, like the less chance there's going to be that he makes any change. And I think Dabo's going to make the right changes. Like I think he is going to prioritize the offensive line and do what's needed to right the ship there. I think he recognizes that as the major weak spot of the team. Uh, I don't know if that's going to entail bringing in outside minds to help inject new ideas and new life into the offense. But I don't know that like losing ugly to Florida state would really change his mind on that one either. No, that would have been a terrible result. Had we lost that game, I'd continue to. Yeah. And I just don't know that it would be productive toward moving Dabo to a place where he like, at this point, the damage is done. We're not going to the college football playoff. Right. I mean, the damage is done at this point, right? Like you have to, if we Dabo wants to continue setting that as the goal, like you can't, be four and three at any point in the season yeah and it's really not about improving this season it's like will he will he look at the factors that led to three losses this year and make the right corrections i guess what i'm saying is i have every i have faith that he will do what he thinks is necessary to like fix gaps i don't know that he and i would agree on what those gaps necessarily are um one thing I'll say is like what got Clemson to the mountaintop may not be what keeps us there moving forward in this new era for how stuff works in the sport. Pretty sure Dabo at this point understands what those things are. So, and you can still um, do it Dabo's way. Yeah. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. But um, I don't know that us losing to Florida state would like have made him learn anything new or open himself up further to making certain types of changes. Yeah, and I'm I'm more and more convinced now that 
unless Tony Elliott goes and takes a head coaching job that he'll be back next year. I don't think Dabo's going to fire him. I do think that um, you see us like Caldwell moves into retirement or some other role within kind of the front office, so to speak. Um, and then we'll see what happens with Tyler Grisham because um, still haven't seen a ton of development out of the wide receivers, although they've been battling injury again this year. And I mean, we didn't mention this Justin Ross moving back to the outside is natural position. He's, He's looked amazing out there. Yeah, that's been better. welcomed. Right. Yeah, so, and I, I don't think Grisham made the call to move him to the slot. You know, I think that was a Tony Elliott Dabo decision. So, um, one, one interesting wrinkle about the O line, um, I'm going to look this up, but uh, who said this? But there was a recruit, an offensive line recruit on campus talking about Thomas Austin, who is an assistant coach. Um, he was brought in from Georgia State, former O lineman at Clemson. We on this show and a lot of other people have said, oh, that's going to be Caldwell's heir apparent replacement coach. Um, this recruit, you know, some of his remarks to the media was saying like, oh, really love meeting the staff, especially Thomas Austin. Him being a leader of this team moving forward, you know, really, you know, I think he's going to do great things there at Clemson. So who knows? Maybe they're already telling recruits like that's going to happen. Um, sure seems like it. So anyway, that. That was just an interesting, uh, interesting anecdote I, I read about this weekend. There you go. The writing's on the wall. And it's not a, it's not a shock, right? Like Thomas Austin has been here for a couple of years now. So, yeah. And at the end of the day, regardless of the offensive line development, how well they've been playing the last couple of years or whatever, at the end of the day, Robbie Caldwell's still old. <laughs> like he's still like at the point where in a year now he could retire. Right. So, um, you know, it just may, may happen that, you know, Clemson not playing well in the offensive line and him being ready to move on is just kind of coincided. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, um, Thomas Austin, like, can he be a really solid coach? I, I think it's less about that than it is roster management for the position and getting enough bodies, enough capable, talented bodies. So I'm hopeful that he's going to have a positive effect on recruiting and that we will see the talent level rise. But for me, it's more about volume than like, yes, it's about quality, but also quantity, I guess is my point. We, so yeah, we, that's find our, we find ourselves way too often with only six offensive linemen that we trust to play. Yes. So you can coach them up like crazy and they can be world beaters, but if there's six of them, like invariably that's going to come back to bite you. And we have not had world beaters across that line. So let's, let's, let's make that a big focus. I, that is the, you know, if you give me one wish for Dabo's off season adjustments, it's that it's double down and focus on offensive line improvement. And it's really about taking full classes, which we have now beaten a dead horse on. So uh, we'll leave that one, leave that one alone. Is Thomas Austin even ranked as a recruit? No, Thomas Austin's the coach. No, I know that, but you talk about him going to the portal. Um, like, I'm trying to think of how he came up. Oh, gotcha. He like, was, a, was he, he, was he, he was, a, he wasn't a walk-on, was he? No, he was a, okay. He was, so. he, he was a three-star by rivals. Two, four, seven. He wasn't listed. Okay. Being yeah. And recruiting three. rankings have not been out that many years like publicly available and like consistent um goes back to o2 right 
I guess he's, this is really his first season on the staff as an analyst. Um, he joined it this past off season. We've just been talking about him so much. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well-respected Clemson player. He was great while he was, while he was here. Um, you know, I know this is also putting another former Clemson player in a coaching staff position, which we've railed against a little bit, but I do like that choice. Yeah. Also, CJ's doing a great job from what I can tell. Will Shipley commented on that. He said, you got to manage your periphery vision and use that to make, to time your cuts properly. Look no further than two cuts he made. He evaded a tackle and then had two cuts, um, you know, to the right to evade additional tacklers on that game-winning touchdown. CJ was one of the best at it, man. Yeah, so I think, you know, you you question, like, what effect can a first-year running back coach have? I think it's those kind of observations and insights. And then, obviously, I think also they brought him in to be a good closer for recruiting talent as well at the playmaker positions. So, um, yeah, I think let's continue to ride the CJ experiment. Um, I'm with you on the wide receiving aspect of this team, not necessarily being there. So maybe the passing game coordinator or a wide receiver coach move, like maybe that's where you inject new blood into this team, into this offensive staff. Um, or we just bolster the analyst core, like whatever it is, it'd be nice to see the team address getting new ideas into the offense. Uh, but Clemson coaches in the past have gone to other programs in the off season and really gone out, out there to try to think beyond the four walls of Clemson. Um, so there's, there's a lot of ways to do this. We're just really looking for, um, we're looking for results from that. It's hard for the coaching staff to mix in a lot of new concepts if there's fundamentals not being met by the team. So I don't know that we can necessarily have this year be a total indictment of the offensive coaching staff just yet. Um, but yeah, I think this, the microscope is going to be on off season moves this year. We'll see. And, and ultimately if the fundamental problem is, has been the injuries, youth and just getting DJ up to speed, um, and all of those things, you know, happen, coalesce in one season. Does Dabo give the coaches a pass on that? You know, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes and practice and stuff like that that none of us are privy to. Um, so it, it's hard to take a, a true reading of the temperature of this, this program. But the fact that the team is held together and the morale still seems high means that there must not be much riff with the coaching staff or players, um, you know, not getting along with the coaching staff. At least that's what that tells me. Um, and again, I will, as bad as the offense has been this year um, and as disappointing a season it's been for such a great defense, those guys are still out there fighting hard. And that says a lot about their character and the guys coaching. Them. Yeah. And a lot of talk's been made of, there's not like an alpha or a true leader, a leading voice in the offense, but seems like there's fealty to the program and the coaching staff at least to see guys putting in that effort all four quarters you know throughout the season so um and i i do think will shipley is stepping into that role and i'm sure he endeared you know that whole that entire staff to him you know the entire roster to him you know on that breakaway touchdown run too and just his his entire effort throughout the game with all the shots he was taking 
I mean, if no one else, but BT Potter. <laughs> totally. BT, hopefully he made Will Shipley breakfast on Sunday. All right, Ben, we'll be back to recap the Louisville game in a recap show early on next week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers.